You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is highlights from our weekly service. Good evening. Welcome to Northern Lights MCC. We are part of a worldwide Christian denomination who celebrates the inclusive love of God for everyone. You are very welcome if this is your first time. If you've joined us for previous services or in person or online, maybe you're returning after a long time away, or perhaps you're just listening on the podcast. Welcome. So let's take a moment to still ourselves in God's presence, to let go of the busyness and burdens of the week that we've just had. Amen. This Sunday, we are continuing our theme of Images of the Kingdom. We heard last week from David and Judith about the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew uses images in his Gospel as a way of communicating the ideas of the Kingdom, finding ways that are easier for us to imagine something that is quite incomprehensible. Tonight we hear the parable of the sower of the seed and Morgan's going to unpack that a little bit for us with the help of Isaiah. So watch and hear how we've paired the Old Testament reading to the Gospel tonight. Our recording of the readings is a little bit different from usual, so see if that helps you to think about the different emphasis that may be there in the text. Morgan's going to explore what what this reading, what this parable might have meant to the people who heard it, and then thinking about what it might mean for us now. Loving God, open our hearts to the Spirit, that we might, with your help, discern the meaning of the Gospel and carry this out into the world. Amen. Our Old Testament reading is from Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw God sitting on a throne, high exalted, and the train of her robes filled the temple. Angel seraphs hovered above her, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two their feet, and with two they flew, and they called back and forth one to the other. Holy, holy, holy is God the King. Her bright glory fills the whole earth. The foundations trembled at the sound of the angel voices, and then the whole house filled with smoke. And I said, Doom! It's doomsday. I'm as good as dead. Every word I've ever spoken is tainted, blasphemous even. And the people I live with talk the same way, using words that corrupt and desecrate. And here I've looked God in the face, the King, God of the Most High. Then one of the angel seraphs flew to me. He held a live coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth with the coal and said, Look, This coal has touched your lips. Your guilt is gone, your sins wiped out. And then I heard the voice of God. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? I spoke up. I'll go, send me. She said, go and tell this people. Listen hard, but you aren't going to get it. Look hard, but you won't catch on. Make these people blockheads, with fingers in their ears and blindfolds on their eyes, so they won't see a thing, won't hear a word, so they won't have a clue about what's going on, 
and yes, so they won't turn around and be made whole. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. The Gospel reading is taken from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there, while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed. Some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some hundred, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. The disciples came up and asked, why do you tell stories? And he replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there's no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge the people toward receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. Your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. The people are blockheads. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look, so they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me, he let me heal them. But you have God-blessed eyes, eyes that see, and God-blessed ears ears that hear. A lot of people, prophets and humble believers among them, would have given anything to see what you are seeing, to hear what you are hearing, but never had the chance. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the, care, but the cares of the world and the lure of the wealth choke the word, 
and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God of majesty and meekness, we thank you for revealing your eternal truth through stories relating to human experience. We ask for your guidance today as we reflect on the parable of the sower, as recorded in the words of the Gospel of St Matthew. Amen. Well, it's the 12th of July and I hope that you've been having a good day. For most of you, there'll be no obvious connection between it being the 12th of July and you having a good day. But for some of you, the 12th of July is a very special day. If you come from Northern Ireland, or if you have friends in Northern Ireland, the 12th of July is either a day to be dreaded or a day to be celebrated. So whichever camp you're in, I hope that you have been having a good day. And for those of you who know little and maybe care even less about Northern Ireland, the message which is literally drummed home to everyone in Ulster on the 12th of July is contained on countless banners, hoardings and murals. And it's simply this. Remember 1690. And you may well ask, what is 1690? Is it some sort of special offer reduced from 1750? Remember 1690. Believe it or not, what everyone is being asked to remember is the year 1690. Okay, I realise that some of you were not even alive in 1990. But even those of us who seem incredibly ancient of days don't quite remember as far back as the year 1690. But if you ask any Orangeman, even a young kid, why they are marching on the 12th of July, and you will be told, remember 1690. Some of them may be able to go a little further and tell you that in 1690 there took place in Ireland, the Battle of the Boyne. But I suspect that not many will be aware of the complexities of the issues leading up to this battle, let alone the place of this battle within the span of history before and after the year 1690. But there's no need for breadth or depth of understanding to make things unnecessarily complicated. All you have to do is remember 1690. More recently, I heard a report of a man arrested after various offences in London who was asked by the police why he had come to London during lockdown. When he replied that he had come to protect statues, he was asked which statues he felt needed his protection. He replied he had no idea, but he had been looking for statues to protect. 
No need for depth or breadth of understanding to make things unnecessarily complicated. Just protect statues. A simple message in a slogan is easy to remember, but without any breadth or depth of understanding of the concepts encapsulated in a slogan, a slogan can have unforeseen consequences, or at best can be jettisoned when a more interesting slogan appears, or when it becomes too challenging for an individual to continue to be associated with the slogan. Jean reminded us earlier what Jesus had to say on this subject. In explaining the parable of the sower, Jesus said he was asking his followers not only to listen to the headlines of his message, but to try to understand the full breadth and depth of his gospel. So in verse 23 he said, the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. It's sometimes said that no matter how bizarre your views may be on any subject under the sun, you can find a verse in the Bible which can be read out of context to support your views. As Shakespeare wrote in The Merchant of Venice, the devil can cite scripture for his purpose. And of course, Jesus had lots of experience of the Jewish establishment using words from the Old Testament out of context. So the message of this parable of the sower was heartfelt for Jesus. Jesus was saying, don't get seduced by the superficiality of slogans. Jesus was saying, Dig deeper than the topsoil and try to understand the breadth, try to understand the depth of the message in my meaning. In the parable of the sower, Jesus began by drawing attention to the particular type of person who might be among the crowd in front of him. It consists of those people who are here today and gone tomorrow. These people are so little depth of understanding that they're likely to fall for the charms of someone or something which seems to offer a more attractive alternative. Following Christ was just great until I got interested in my new hobby. According to Jesus, these very short-term followers are like the seed sown on the path. No depth of soil, no breadth of soil, so the birds came and ate it up. Clearly we can expect no harvest where there is so little understanding. And then there are those who get totally committed to one aspect of Christianity, but when there's a challenge to that particular aspect, they can't see the point anymore and so they move on. There might be someone who loves, for example, leading worship by singing, but who unfortunately loses their voice and in losing their role, they lose interest in the church. There might be someone who serves the loaves and the fishes when everyone is together in one place. But when the focus of the mission moves on and catering becomes much less important, 
So the coffee Christians drift away. As Jesus says, they are like the seed sown on rocks. Not much depth and no breadth. The soil was shallow, so when the sun came up, the plants withered. Then Jesus tells us about a very different type of follower. This category of Christian looks like fertile soil for a great harvest. They are those who seem to be totally rooted in following Christ. Their discipleship seems to be based on a breadth and a depth of understanding of all aspects of the church. They're not only involved in everything, they're involved in everything a lot. They're not the people who follow slogans. They're probably the people who create slogans. But Jesus strikes a note of warning here too. Even when we look as if we have both a breadth and depth of understanding, things can still go wrong. The soil needs to be continually cultivated or weeds can appear. Weeds or thorns can get such a hold that the crop becomes choked. And that's not much use for the farmer. As Jesus explained, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Our understanding of the gospel is something that needs to be continually worked on, digging deeper and deeper, wider and wider. So the simple point of the parable for the crowd listening to Jesus was work really hard at really understanding the message. Get behind and beyond the slogans. Dig, dig and dig again. Some people love to recount the exact time when they became followers of Jesus. They tell how and when they became saved from their sins. And of course, it is really important to get to a distinct stage of deciding to try to follow Jesus Christ. But the message of the parable of the sower is that this is just the beginning of the Christian journey, not the be-all and end-all. Isaiah had that wonderful experience of seeing God the King and feeling that he could leave his sins behind. But this wonderful experience finished with God commissioning Isaiah to get out and start working for God. Farmer with a poor crop wouldn't get away with saying, ah, yes, I remember giving that field a great ploughing in, I think uh, 1990. Land needs to be cultivated continuously year after year. So the message of Jesus is an instruction to dig and dig and dig again and keep digging to get a better and better understanding of what it means to be a Christian. And that's by far the most important lesson for us from today's Gospel reading. So if you've had enough of me, I'd be very happy if you tune out now. But I need to tell you that if you do tune out now, 
you'd be missing a really interesting twist in the parable, and then a twist on the twist. Not to mention an explanation of why Anna inserted herself in the middle of Jean's reading. Okay, here comes the interesting twist in the parable. As we've noted, Jesus told the crowd to keep digging. Dig, dig, dig again, really understand. But I think the message to keep digging is only part of the meaning of the parable. It's the part that Jesus wanted the crowd to remember. When Jean read for us the parable of the sower, in the first of the two sections read by Jean, those words of Jesus were given to the whole crowd. The middle section read by Anna, which referred back to the book of Isaiah, that middle section was delivered only to the disciples. Also, the final part, which Jean read to us, using the words of Jesus to explain the parable, those words were given only to the disciples. And the message for the disciples goes like this. As Christians, keep digging for deeper understanding, keep growing in the spirit. But as Christian leaders, as apostles, know when to stop digging. This extra message just for the disciples in these two extra parts of the gospel relating to the parable of the sower present a special message of comfort, a message of comfort for the disciples. Jesus obviously knew how difficult it is for people to keep working at understanding his message. There are people who, no matter how hard you try with them, they are not interested in digging deeper and deeper. In the words of Jesus, it's, it's just about as productive as throwing seed on pathways, on rocks or among thistles. Jesus was well aware that the crowd before him ranged from the really interested through the half interested and pretty likely to forget almost everything people to those who only came because they heard in the grapevine there might be lots of loaves and fishes for lunch. So it was difficult for Jesus. If it was really difficult for Jesus, he knew how much more difficult it would be understanding his message. There are people who, no matter how hard you try with them, they are not interested in digging deeper and deeper. In the words of Jesus, it's, it's just about as productive as throwing seed on pathways, on rocks or among thistles. Jesus was well aware that the crowd before him ranged from the really interested through the half interested and pretty likely to forget almost everything people to those who only came because they heard in the grapevine there might be lots of loaves and fishes for lunch. So it was difficult for Jesus if it was really difficult for Jesus, he knew how much more difficult it would be for his disciples, let alone for Christians in the centuries to come. You can sow, sow and sow, and you can dig, dig and dig. But don't expect all your seed to produce massive harvests all the time. Even an enthusiastic crowd can be fickle. 
And Jesus was well aware of the truth behind the saying, people are people. In this context, Jesus reminded his disciples of what God had said to Isaiah. God had said to Isaiah that there were at that time lots of people who were really not at all interested in hearing the message which they ought to be hearing and which Isaiah felt they ought to be hearing. As God said to Isaiah, they're effectively blockheads with fingers in their ears and blindfolds on their eyes. No matter what Isaiah were to do or to say, they won't hear a word of what he said. And so they won't change their lifestyles and they won't change their priorities. Now, centuries later, Jesus was saying to his disciples, I don't want the same thing to happen again. But it might. On the other hand, there are lots of other people who will be interested in the Christian journey. So focus on the ones who want to dig along with you and don't beat yourself up about those who are determined to stick their fingers in their ears. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. To reinforce this message, Jesus then proceeded to the final part read by Jean, which very explicitly itemised the different types of followers who, no matter what the disciples might do or say, would not be faithful companions and would not keep digging. The final sentence of the final part of the teaching relating to the parable of the sower is the ultimate in positivity and encouragement for the ears of the disciples. Jesus finished his talk with a reminder about the seed which, follow, flow, which falls on the good ground. He said, the seed falling on the good ground refers to someone who hears the word and understands it, who bears fruit and produces a crop 30, 60 or even a hundred times what was sown. In other words, even in the most disappointing situation, as long as there are Christians prepared to dig and keep digging, the Holy Spirit will work with you for the extension of the kingdom of God. In summary then, in Matthew 13 verses 3 to 9, Jesus presents his parable of the sower with a message to the crowd. Keep digging for understanding, it will be well worthwhile. In Matthew 13 verses 10 to 23, Jesus extends this with a message to the disciples. Keep digging and it will be well worthwhile, but know when to stop. But then I think there's a final twist to the twist. There's a message for us, which probably even the disciples missed, but it's there for us with the benefit of hindsight. The first words read to us by Jean set the scene for the parable of the sower. And so we, we usually gloss over them very quickly to get to the main story. Because of this, it's worth reminding ourselves how Matthew 15 begins in verses one and two. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. What's interesting in hindsight 
is that Jesus speaking to his followers in the great outdoors marks a turning point from Jesus speaking to people in synagogues. At first, the synagogue was the natural place for Jesus to talk, but the Jewish establishment was making it more and more difficult for Jesus to do this. So as this traditional opportunity began to close, Jesus found another way forward. As we know now, there would be no going back. But the disciples would not have appreciated at the time that the delivery of the parable of the sower using a boat as his pulpit was marking a turning point. It's often said that actions speak louder than words. So perhaps in delivering his talk in this way, Jesus was effectively saying to his disciples, not only know when to stop digging, but know when to dig differently. Jesus remained a Jew, but when the Jewish establishment at the time tried to impede the delivery of his message, he dug differently. Martin Luther was a Catholic until he was excommunicated for saying that eternal life was a free gift of God, not to be earned by deeds or by, paid for by indulgences. John Wesley died within the Church of England, but increasingly he had to preach anywhere other than Anglican churches because bringing the gospel to every section of society was unpopular at that time with the establishment. Triperi only formed the Metropolitan Community Church when other churches were found lacking in Christian support for those dying from AIDS. Across the centuries, there's always been a challenge to dig differently. Not because digging differently was the intention at the start, but sometimes it has been necessary to dig differently in order for Christians to be able to dig deeper. This leads me to conclude that the parable of the sower presents two challenges for us in Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. First of all, and at the core of the parable, we are all instructed by Jesus to work hard at really, really understanding the Christian gospel. We must dig and dig and dig again in order to ensure that the seed is being planted in good soil. Secondly, while accepting, as we are told we must, that some people may choose not to be included, we should still try to be as inclusive as possible by taking opportunities to overcome obstacles. We need to not only dig, but dig differently where our understanding of the gospel guides us to do so. As our understanding grows of what the gospel means, if we follow the example of Jesus who took different opportunities to pass on his message, we will try to pass on our understanding in different ways, which reflect the different circumstances of different times, such as the challenge posed for our church and our congregation by the coronavirus. New technology might well be the key to greater understanding of the gospel, and it certainly contains the potential to reach far greater numbers of people.
New parables in contemporary contexts might help our understanding of the depth and breadth of the teaching in the parables of Jesus. But digging deeply and differently must not be confused with a marketing exercise. We are not invited to water down Christianity to make it more palatable. We're certainly not encouraged to replace the search for understanding with the search for catchy new slogans. We're not aiming for a superficial slogan like, remember 2020, Northern Lights Burn Brighter. No, we are simply being asked the same question that God posed at the time of Isaiah, at a time when the people were characterised as having calloused hearts, fingers in their ears and blindfolds on their eyes. It's the same question in the context of today's world of suffering, inequality and dishonesty. It's in the words of Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. Then I heard the voice of God the King asking, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Now is the time we set aside to speak directly with God and listen to the one who knows us intimately and loves us with all our imperfections. In keeping with our custom in the Metropolitan Community Church, I let out light a special candle as we remember all those who have surrendered themselves to your tender care due to HIV-related illness. So let us pray together for ourselves, for those we know and love, for our communities and for the wider world. Loving God, Mother and Father of all creation, we come together from different places and in different ways, knowing that we are all in your presence and in the presence of your Son, Jesus Christ, as one in the Holy Spirit. What a great and magnificent God you are, Lord. How we praise and thank you that we can place our trust in you. Keep us looking away from the materialism of our modern world and towards you, our protector and provider, who died in our place so that we might live. Teach us more of who you are and show us how flawed our understanding is of who we truly are and of all that your son Jesus has done for us. Thank you for cleansing our lips and washing us clean in the blood of Jesus. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to live in us and for building us up into the living temple with all who are saved by grace through faith in Christ. In a world that at times seems to have lost its way, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, here I am. Send me. The seed of your commonwealth is forever being sown into our lives and our world, O Lord. But doesn't always take root. Sometimes it fails to find a place to grow. And so we pray 
for ourselves and others when life makes us hard and resistant, like a well-trodden path where old habits, old systems and old patterns of thinking keep your message from growing. For ourselves and others, when we become so immersed in the short-lived, shallow, rock-hiding soil of the moment, where your life too easily gets blown away by the wind. For yourselves and others, when our fears, insecurities, desires and self-absorption tangle like thorns around your grace and choke it into silence. Jesus, the sower of life eternal, whatever we are today, whatever the mix of path, rock, thorns or soil, help us to become good ground for you, for your word and for your presence. Lord, we would grow with you, new shoots reaching out, hands stretched upwards like leaves newly formed, soaking up your light and warmth. Lord, we would grow with you in sunshine and rain, in darkness and light, in cold days and summer days, and from springtime to winter. Lord, we would grow with you and bring forth fruit that is pleasing to you, fed by your living water, giving sustenance to others. Yet as we rejoice in your amazing love, we see that, that many hear the words of the gospel, but do not listen or understand because of the hardness of their hearts. Help us not to become discouraged when we are rebuffed or scorned. Help us to be faithful in the work you have given us to do. Let us pray that some will hear and respond to you with repentance and joy for the honour of your holy name. And let us pour out before you now the cares and concerns of all who need to experience your love. Let us pray for those who are detained, tortured, exiled, or who are seeking asylum or refuge because they have struggled for their rights or the rights of others. Let us proclaim the message of inner peace from the knowledge of your love for all. Peace in our communities from love for one another. Peace in the world from a shared concern for humankind. Let us proclaim the message of hope for the faithful that God will see us through. Hope for our communities that each one of us will always champion the disadvantaged, the oppressed and the discriminated against. Hope for those who are destitute or homeless or in distressing financial circumstances or victims of abuse or hungry or unable to work, that their situations will be relieved. Hope for the world in the discovery of our need for one another. And let us proclaim the message of life triumphant over death and sickness, over suffering and sorrow, of life for those who strive to live in Christ, and of life for the world in the promise of God's saving grace. We pray, Lord, for those experiencing isolation, anxiety, frustration, discomfort or pain, 
or who are afraid because they're ill or have been injured. We pray for communities still striving to overcome the economic and social consequences of lockdown. We pray for those who are nearing the end of their journey on earth, that they may know your comfort and peace. And we pray for all who bring your message of life, those who make, who make the resurrection of Christ a reality today. Those who work for the coming of Christ's commonwealth of love and love and joy. Those whose caring lives in past times and today are witness to Christ's triumph. And especially now, all those who are working in health and care environments, through whose compassion, skills, dedication and insights, many will be restored to health. We bring to you, Lord, all for whom requests for prayer have been placed in our special book of intentions. Help them all to come to terms with their pain and difficulties and help them look forward to the future, whatever and wherever that may be. We place them in your healing presence, Lord, and ask that you enfold every single person who needs to feel the warmth and tenderness of your embrace. So now, let us pray for the needs of people known to us personally. Be with us all, Lord, in our daily struggles to follow you, in our periods of doubt and despair, in times of happiness, health and loving. Be with us all until the time when in the heavenly realm of your love, our joy will know no end. We make our prayers in faith and love for you. We now commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to your mercy and protection, Lord, and to the healing love of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, as we say together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Let us say together the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Go in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about what we do, you can find us on social media or visit our website, northernlightsmcc.org.uk.